Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. This isn't part of my, my, uh, my notes, but I just feel compelled to uh, add on to what Pastor John was just saying. Um, yesterday, many of you were here, we celebrated Sherwood Murdoch, who passed away uh, 84 years old. You, you may not know him, but you do know him. Uh, you would have known him. He came here every Sunday on first service. Um, Sherwood had some special needs. He had learning dip- difficulties, but he loved Jesus. Um, but here's, here's what struck me, and I wanted to, in, in light of Break Every Chain, so Sherwood had a little brother who was about, I think he was eight years younger, who died in 1999 of a drug overdose. He struggled with alcoholism and, and, and narcotics, all of that, but he had no special needs. He didn't have the same learning disabilities as Sherwood. Sherwood, he also struggled with alcohol, but the, when the, he found Jesus, he overcame it. He, 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 he never touched it again. He was also addicted to nicotine and cigarettes. The Lord healed him of it, and he came through it. And so maybe we're, somebody here is, you're listening online, and you're like, you're like, well, it's just too hard to overcome. Folks, with Jesus, it's not too hard to overcome. Yeah, you know, if I had chains, it would be really hard for me to overcome. But it's as simple as, Jesus, I need you. You can overcome it. You will overcome it in the name of Jesus. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And the Lord is faithful. He always provides a way out. So if you're here, you're not listening to this by chance. Maybe you're bumping into this years from now. But I just want you to know that prophetically, you are free if you call on the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody? Amen. Amen. All right. That's just good news, church. Just good news. I want to open with this today in in our series. Uh, There's something inside me that really, it just is, there's a lot of folks that I don't think fully understand that the Bible's real, like it's true. Like, again, I don't know how to portray this. I, like, it's so real. Jesus is real. What the Bible says is true. And, and I don't know how to get that across to people. Like, there's a lot of people that live it as a tradition, and they would say they believe it. But the truth is, like, if you really believe that Jesus was, is the risen Son of God, and that the Bible is his revealed word to us, what would that change in your life? Like, it would, it, it would change how you live, change how you think, change what you do. You can't live a traditional Christianity. That's not Christianity. Christianity is, I found Jesus, I reveal, I've given my life to him, and I'm following him. Yeah, you, you might mess up, and you're not going to live it perfectly, but you're going to continually pursue Jesus Christ. He's your shepherd. He's your pastor. Forever and ever, and you get to spend eternity with him. And I don't know how to, I, again, I still don't feel like I'm getting that across. I wish I could just grab people and be like, like here, I, I, I don't just say, we're not just saying these things as a tradition. Like, I, we don't come here on a Sunday. Maybe some of us do, but I think, like, we don't come here on a Sunday to sing songs because that's just part of how we do it. We do it because we believe. We believe in Jesus. He's our only hope. Amen? 
So we started a series last week, if you joined us. If not, let me get you caught up, and you can catch our uh, online uh, service. We have podcasts. You can listen to what it was. But we're starting a, a series called Recalibration to the Words in Red. Recalibration is uh, like the example I use is watches get off sync, right? There is a, a, tr- a true noon, a true 12 o'clock. And over the course of time, sometimes our watches get off, whether it's because of a battery shortage, you didn't wind it enough, or whatever it is. And it, it, we have to recalibrate back to the true north, to true noon. Like, we, we have to do that as Christians. Because through the course of whatever it is, maybe we've, we've binge-watched too much of a show, we've, we've listened to too much news, we've just listened to too much gossip. The cares of this world, the sin of this world, has jarred us enough that we've gotten slightly off course. Or maybe we never fully calibrated in the first place. But, but we need to, I, I just felt really strongly here in 2023, start things off recalibrating to actually what the Bible says. Not trying to force it into what we believe, but like forcing ourselves to lay down our opinions and all that to actually what Jesus said. And so we're specifically actually looking at some of the harder things that Jesus said. Because uh, if you like, you read the Sermon on the Mount, it's like, oh, do I... What would I, if I really believed that, what would that mean? And it's a little bit, should be a little bit life-altering. I also use the example of a compass, right? As you know, a circle is 360 degrees. If I did that, it's 360 degrees. For you math students, 90 degrees. If I'm traveling 90 degrees, I'll never reach my destination. If I'm traveling 180 degrees in the wrong direction, I'm going in the complete opposite direction. 365 degrees. But sometimes the temptation is, especially as Christians, you know, one degree is not a big deal. I'm still heading generally north. Um, and, uh, and, and so just a, uh, just a little bit off. You know what? It's okay. And we get real, really settled in our beliefs of the things that are, you know what? Whatever. That's just a whatever issue. I'm just going to whatever on that. One degree you know, I, I, I did the walk last. One degree, I can still make it out of this church building if I'm just traveling in one, just one degree off, off. I use the example at Bellis Fair. If I, if, I, if I aim towards Bellis Fair at the Chipotle and I was one degree off through the course of my walk, I'd probably end up more at the Old Navy. Not a big deal. I can course correct there. Uh, but, but I use some other examples. If I tried to travel to Hawaii and I set my compass, but I was just one degree off, just one degree off, uh, the, as pilots would say, there's at one degree off course every 60 miles flown, you'll be one mile off the, dest- the destination. So the example is this, if I'm heading towards Oahu from here, just, one, just, just a little bit off, not a big deal, I will end up 43 miles into the ocean somewhere. You can't, you can't, see, the, you can't see land from there, so good luck. I also use the example... Another place I would like to visit and I would love to take you with me is to Jerusalem. If we decided we were going to fly directly to Jerusalem from Ferndale right here, you would end up 111.58 miles off course. Ooh, not a big deal, except that would probably put you in Lebanon, Egypt, or Damascus, which would be a very different trip. Still maybe worth doing, but uh, not, not, if not, wouldn't reach our aims. So... Uh, so we started, la- we started this last week, we're going to continue it today and, and through the rest of 2023, focusing on what Jesus said specifically, and we are going to let him renew our minds and, and not try to change his mind. And uh, last week, we started with a doozy, 
which was a little bit hard for some of us to swallow because Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount that if you, that if you don't forgive other people that when they sin against you, he won't forgive you. That's a hard one, because I'm like, whoa, maybe I'm like, let's just sit on that one. No, Jesus actually said it. Like, forgive and you will be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven, which is a jarring thing, but Jesus said it. And so we have to recalibrate and realize that my forgiving other people who sin against me is vital to my health and my life. And if I truly want to be a disciple of Jesus, I got to be somebody who forgives regardless of how atrocious the thing was. Now, I know forgiveness is a process, but you've got to start with forgiveness and work through the process. You don't work through a process and then all of a sudden land on forgiveness because you're working through a process of unforgiveness and that will just compound sin in your life. So you start with forgiveness and then, yeah, there's going to be some things to work through. And I preached on that last week. Uh, knowing fully well that Zeb was going to be telling us this week that he's leaving. And so we can practice forgiving him uh, today. Kidding. Um, But I want to backtrack to start us out today just a little bit, because I ended here on Matthew 5, verse 32 through 34, which says this. um, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar... First go and be reconciled to them, and then come offer your gift. Uh, uh, The point was this, like, if you have unforgiveness, if you have offended somebody or somebody has offended you, before you go and start to, oh, I'm going to worship the Lord, I'm going to offer him my praise, stop. Go be reconciled. Go ask for forgiveness. Forgive. Then you go and praise the Lord, because he's looking for your heart to be in the right place first and foremost. I start there again today because I'm going to backtrack two verses before this and give you a little bit more context, and we're going to start in verse 21 and 22, which leads into 23 and 24. So here we go. Now again, everybody look at me. i got to see eyes. This is not my words. These are red words, Jesus' words, okay? So if you have rocks in your pockets, keep them there. Or if you can aim really high and throw it to heaven, feel free. But wait till you're outside. All right, so here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 22. This is all part of Jesus' big sermon on the mount. And he says this. This is Jesus Christ, your Savior, talking. You've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, this is Jesus. Please listen as if Jesus is talking to you, because this is in the Scripture. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, rock off, not rock on, rock on bro, no, rock off, which means you empty-headed fool, you idiot, that's what it means. Anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Now, if any pastor came up with this on his own, this wasn't in the scripture, and I'm like, if you get angry and you call somebody an idiot, you're in danger of hell. You'd be like, this guy's extreme. (laughs) 
I didn't make it up. I just have Jesus' back. I'm just, I'm just reporting what he said. So I want to look into this. And again, our goal, here's what I've done a lot with these, with, with hard sections of what Jesus says. In fact, I, I did this exercise of a really hard one this week. What we tend to do is we'll, we'll talk to someone, wow, Jesus said this. We'll bounce back and forth some ideas of maybe what he really meant or some excuses as to why. And until we get frustrated enough or confused enough, we just set it aside and don't deal with it anymore. And we go on living exactly the way we always have. I am asking you, yes, I don't have the full answer on some of these hard things that he says, but I'm asking you to set the excuses aside and settle somewhere closer to what he actually said than your constant state of living that you've, you've established as your norm. Settle closer to his standard and what he actually said than to your cartwheels that you've established so you don't have to forgive somebody. Settle closer to his standard of not being angry all the time because it's okay to be angry when this happens. And it's okay. Jesus said if you are angry, <laughs> you're answerable to the court. You're, you're subject to judgment. And if you start calling names, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Now, you can do gymnastics all you want, but I'm asking you to sit in that tension for a while here. Because you need to be closer to his standard than your traditions. Because I want to tell you, some of our, we get, we get old, we get, we get a little crusty, we get set in our ways, and we're like, well, I've established this really nice way of living. I've made my peace with how I'm forgiving. I'm telling you, some of our, our, our standards and our traditions and where we've become comfortable are actually killing us in the long run. And so we have to be bold enough as disciples, people who say we believe in Jesus, to allow him to still chisel off things that we think have become traditions and they're okay in my life. Be raw with him. You have not arrived at perfection. So let the words in red change what you think and who you are again today. I want to look at anger specifically, and I want to look at raka, or you calling somebody you fool, you idiot today. We're going to lean into those just a little bit. But let me start here. By a show of hands, has anybody ever been angry? I see some liars out here. Not only are you angry, you're angry liars. All right. In the, in the last month, raise your hand if you have been angry. How about this week? Has anybody gotten angry this week? How about today? Has anybody gotten angry today? Who's angry right now? No. <laughs> I'm always angry. That's what the Hulk's secret is. The Hulk is the superhero. He's like, my secret is I'm always angry. Hulk's going to hell, people. All right. Here, here's the thing. First of all, you need to know anger is not a sin. Okay? I'll show you that in a second here. Anger is not a sin. Jesus got angry. God got angry. Anger is not a sin. But anger is actually a much bigger deal than you let it on to be. It's not a small thing. Oh, I'm just angry all the time. It's what I do. No, it's a big deal. Anger is a big deal. Anger is a big deal. Because you, when you are angry, you are subject to judgment according to Jesus. When you are angry, here's why, anger is not a sin, but what it is, it is the red light coming on your dashboard. Something's wrong. 
And it's not something I just put a black, has anybody ever put a piece of tape over the, the check engine light? You know what I'm saying? I've, I've done it. I don't want to see it anymore. It's the check engine light of your life. It, it means something has to be dealt with. That's what anger is. It's a gift from the Lord, but it's, it's something needs to be dealt with. And here's another spoiler alert. It's often something in you, not in other people. It, something needs, I'm angry! There's probably, I'd say 90% of the time, that's in you more than anybody else out there. See, in our anger, we go to, it must be John's fault! He threw those chains and my eyes were closed and it scared me. How dare he? Okay, I'm angry. I wasn't, by the way, this is an example. We'll deal with it later, John. <laughs> but that's a warning sign. A red light just came on to me. Hey, maybe there's something in me that's wrong. Yeah, there's, there's times, and certainly people will do things, any parent can say, that will just boil your blood. Amen? But it's not, it, it, that's not a sin. What is a sin is what you do with that. And this is why it's important, because when I am angry, all of a sudden the red light goes off and I'm subject to judgment, is what Jesus just said. Why am I subject to judgment when I'm angry? It doesn't mean I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to get the judgment wrong. It just means I'm in a very dangerous position. Anger means I'm in danger about what I'm about to do. Because often, in my anger, I don't make the smartest decisions. I don't say the most graceful, beautiful, wonderful things. And I know I'm not alone in this. What we say and do can cause severe damage to ourselves and others in our anger. I want to read you this. It's just about what happens in your body when you get angry. It says this, as you become angry, your body's muscles tense up. Inside your brain, neurotransmitters, chemicals known as catecholamines, I can't even pronounce it, are released, causing you to experience a burst of energy lasting up to several minutes. This burst of energy behind the common angry desire is behind the common angry desire to take immediate protective action, aka punch a hole in the wall. At the same time, your heart rate accelerates, your, your blood pressure rises, and your rate of breathing increases. Your face may flush as increased blood flow enters your limbs and extremities in preparation for physical action. Here's the one to listen to. Your attention narrows and becomes locked onto the target of your anger. Your attention narrows and becomes locked on the target of your anger. Soon, you can pay attention to nothing else. In quick succession, additional brain neurotransmitters and hormones, among them adrenaline and noradrenaline, are released, which trigger a lasting state of arousal. You are now ready to fight. Fight or flight, that's what happens here. Again, anger is something God put in us. All these chemicals are from the Lord. But he also gave us the Holy Spirit, which has the spirit of self-control. So here's what you need to know. You are subject to judgment when you are angry. You are in a danger zone. And what happens is, is you have a laser focus on one thing. And that's, that's the target. Often misplaced and misjudged the target of your anger. And everything inside of you wants to deal with that. But here's the problem. When I am angry, here's what happens. I get so close to the issue. 
This is all I see. My field of judgment, my ability to discern, my ability to harness wisdom is very small. Have you ever noticed, like, when you're, oh my, everything's just overwhelming and you just get out of town for a day? All of a sudden, things seem, oh, it's not as big of a deal. Because you've removed yourself from an issue for a little while and you've gained something called perspective. When you are angry, you have very little perspective. And so you need to be very careful. Because in that moment, Anger can be a gift. There are times where fight has to happen, and, but flight is more often. <laughs> you need to take that minute. You need to move along. You need to take the steps back. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, acknowledging you're going to be angry, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. That means, because here's the other thing. For instance, one of the dumbest things couples would say is, we need to fight it out. That's dumb. You need to talk about it, and then when you get angry, take a minute. Because in your anger, you're going to say things to your spouse that's stupid and not true, and you really don't believe. So the other thing couples will do is, we'll just never deal with it then. No, that's wrong too. But there are many times as you're, ta as you're working through something, you have to say, let's take a break. Because I'm about to do something. And I'm going to take my minute and I'm going to wait till those chemicals re release from my body and I get the perspective again. It's the same with parenting. I can tell you, uh, I, and I have not been perfect in this, there are times where I want to say, you dummy. Come on. It's a, it, it, but in those, that's a sin. Call your kid an idiot. That's a sin. I'm in danger here. And so often, and again, don't, don't, don't act like I've been perfect in this. I'm not trying to portray that. But what you do then is when your blood is boiling, you say, hey, sweetie, we're going to take a minute. You need to go to your room. Because daddy needs to get things straight with Jesus. <laughs> right? And then once you've worked through, and it might take you a little while. You have to deal with it. The, the, the warning sign's still on there. It doesn't go away once I calm down. I have to, there's something I had to deal with. And yes, your kids could have said the most stupid thing. And, and likely they're wrong. And they were wrong in what they did. But that doesn't give you the right to sin against them in anger. So I have to take my moment. Whether, whoever, and it's not just a family thing. This is what anger, it's a warning. Something needs to be dealt with. Yeah, there are times where it has to be done immediately. and You just better pray for wisdom. But more often than not, it's a, I got to take a minute here. Because I... This is a sign that I need to go to Jesus. I need to receive wisdom. I don't have the whole field of wisdom available to me when I'm angry because I'm so slammed up against the issue. And so I have to stop and allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to work in me, to cleanse over me, and then I can go and say, wow, here's the perspective I have now. I'm telling you, it'll save your marriage, it'll save your life. We got to deal with it, but you don't just be Elsa and let it all go. That's a sin. Letting it all go is a sin, folks. I'm, look at me, it's a sin. To let yourself go in anger is just as much of a sin as murdering somebody. Your feelings do not dictate what you do in life. 
I dictate what my, my feelings will, will come and go. They'll, they'll do all sorts of things. I have to become the master by the Holy Spirit and have self-control. And so, yes, anger was created by the Lord, but it wasn't there to be your leader in life. It was a warning sign along the way. Oh, there's something that needs to be dealt with. Don't give away to your anger. Do not give away to your anger. When I'm angry with somebody, I'm subject to judgment. Because it often leads us to say things, like I said, say and do things, oof, I'm going to regret. I don't actually mean, although I think I mean it in the moment. Have you ever had, now, I know I'm not alone in this. When I get angry, there's some real tantalizing things I want to say. Like when I'm, when I'm in it with somebody and they're, maybe they're yelling at me, I'm like, if I say this right now, it's gonna, it is going to drop a bomb on them. And I know I don't want to say it, but everything inside, all the chemicals inside my body are saying, say it, say it, it's going to be great. And maybe, have you ever tried to argue with somebody who's not arguing back and it just infuriates you? Makes you more mad, and you just want to drop that bomb. Now, I'm going to uh, uh, tattletale on my father, who's here this morning. Um, my dad, I don't know why the Lord made him this way, but he's the calmest guy ever, for the most part. I remember being on the roof, doing a roofing job in like 1,000 degree temperature. And, and, and I'm a little more dramatic than him, believe it or not. I'm like, I'm dying. This is the hottest day, and this is like hell. And he's like, it's a little warm. Don't you, under, anyway, so I recall one time, and I bet my dad doesn't, maybe he, maybe he does, and he's just forgiven me and swept it under the rug, but I remember once, and he, uh, there was something I wanted to do, and this is when I was a teenager, not recently, and, and he wouldn't let me do it. Can you believe that? My father wouldn't let me do everything I wanted to do. What a jerk. We're still praying for him. But this one thing, like, I was convinced it was the most unreasonable thing. It was the, it was the dumbest, like, why on earth? This is terrible. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm heated. And he's just calm, sitting at the table. And I'm like, don't you understand? And, and then he said something in his calm voice. He said, well, I would assume so. I don't even remember what it was about. I would assume so. And all of a sudden, that rage inside me, oh, say this. Oh, you want to say this. And I'm, like, I, and I'm telling myself, that won't go well. That's a bad idea. But I'm like, oh, maybe it'll get him. And so he said, I would assume so. And I would say, well, you know what to assume does, Dad. It makes an A-S-S out of you and me. <laughs> now, I didn't spell it out. I said the full thing. And I, it's all a blur from there. I don't remember what happened. <laughs> but I'm alive to tell the, no, I, I, honestly, I don't remember. I, I know, <laughs> but it was the wrong thing to say. Because in our anger, those things are so tantalizing. And I'm going to make that person across from me just as stupid as I am by making them more angry. Because I'm going to drop just the perfect bomb. It's a sin, folks. I am in danger of judgment when I'm angry. And this isn't me, might me talking. This is Jesus Christ, the words in red. Anyone who's angry is in danger of judgment because we're about to do and say something. That might get us into a little more trouble. As I said, anger is a anger can, is a gift, but it can be a very it is a the wrong it's not to lead you in life. It's just a warning sign. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, they're your leaders. 
So the second part of that verse, Jesus is talking, and he says, any, again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. As I told you, Raka means you empty-headed idiot. That's what Raka means, you empty-headed idiot. And Jesus is comparing this. When you, he, he, when you hate somebody, you're murdering them in your heart. When you call somebody an empty-headed idiot, you are in danger of the fires of hell. This shouldn't sit lightly with us. This should be a big deal. Because I think we've all done this. What are you, stupid? Oh, you're such an idiot. Or we're talking about them, which is just as evil. That boss of mine is an idiot. A grade A moron. Stupidest boss I ever had. You are in danger of the fires of hell with that kind of talk. Because here's the problem. Why is Jesus making such a big deal out of this? Because those things are not small things to say. You are talking about his son, his daughter, his very creation, his beloved. Now, what if I went up to you and I said, your kid is the stupidest kid I ever saw. What would rise up in you? I've never seen such an empty-headed fool in my life. You might want to beat me up, maybe. You're talking about God's kids. You're talking about his creation. That's, you are talking about the image of God, an image bearer. Here's the trick. The next time you feel like saying to somebody, you are such an idiot, stop right there, look to the Lord and say, Lord, you are so stupid for, saying, for making somebody so empty-headed and what an idiot you are, God. Now, if that feels good to you, feel free to go on and say it. But if it feels like that would be blasphemy to call God an idiot, then it's blasphemy to call that person an idiot. And I don't care what they did. I'm not talking about their behavior or their actions. Their actions might have been empty-headed in that moment. That's not who God created them to be. You are not to prophesy and speak that into people's lives. Because your words have power. And when you do speak those things, you are in danger of the fires of hell. In that light, he says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you realize your brother has, or sister has something against you, leave your gift there and go be reconciled to them. And I, I repeat what I said last week. If you have lost it, you need to go apologize. You, before, you get, you, before you go to, you need to say, I'm sorry. Because forgiveness does restore the standard. You, I guarantee you we've all messed up in this. I have called my kids idiots before. But here's what happens. I'm so sorry, son, that I called. Like, that was, that was not right. I, like, I was in the wrong, and I, I, I sinned. Would you please forgive me? Of course, I'll forgive you, Dad. Oh, I just saved his life, and I saved my own from the fires of hell. And I've restored a standard of fathership toward him. Because I'm not perfect, but forgiveness restores a standard that I can still walk as a godly father, a godly mother, whatever it is you are. I want to I land on a couple of, one other thing here. 
I got some really good stuff here, but I want to I want to hit this. Now, J- Jesus had a, a little brother, believe it or not. His name was James. Read the book of James in the Bible. That's Jesus' brother, believe it or not. If you didn't know that, read it in a new light. It's kind of fun. But James says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm going to say that one more time. The human anger, your anger, does not produce righteousness. Anytime you're angry, you're not about to produce righteousness in your life or somebody else's life. I'm going to say it again. Anger never, ever, 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 ever produces righteousness. That's what the scripture says. Anger does not produce righteousness. Anger is a warning sign. Something's wrong. Now I I have to step back from that zeal and that moment so I can get perspective and deal with it appropriately. Anger produces no righteous fruit. It's a warning that something needs to be dealt with. And I'm about to blow your mind. Now here's the thing. We live in a day and age. Never in the history of mankind has every, so many issues of injustice and inadequacy and, and wrong been available to me at every moment, right? Back then, they didn't get a Twitter feed in the morning. It wasn't even too long ago that you had to wait a week for the newspaper to come out to find out what you should be mad about. And by then, it was dealt with sometimes. I can know within seconds what's going on. And, and the temptation here is, every piece of justice must come under my justice realm. And it must be dealt with. Now, I want to say this. Justice in general, justice is very often not within your power to make happen, if ever. Justice, your idea of... And I'm not saying it's wrong to get involved. I'm saying understand that you have no authority to actually make justice happen. It's not really your job. And so, yes, when you get riled up because of that, whatever it is, yeah, and you're angry, yeah, there's some terrible things and you should be angry about it. Take 15 steps back, take a deep breath. Lord, what am I going to do now? Is this my justice? Because because, uh, Romans 12, 19 says this, do not take revenge. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. In your seeking for even justice, are you leaving room for God's revenge? Or is it your anger driving you forward? You're never going to find your purpose in life in the state of anger. State of anger might be a warning sign that, hey, this is something maybe you should get involved with. But I, until, I, don't, I don't take my action steps until I get words from the Lord and I've subdued even my emotions about the issue, good or bad. And I've come to clarity, Lord. And then all of a sudden, there's this available for me to step into. I don't know if you've heard of the, uh, the group called Convoy of Hope. It's an Assemblies of God thing. They're amazing. They're, they're always first on the scene when natural disasters happen um, all over the world, feeding, uh, you know, it's an amazing organization. You, it's great to get involved with. The, one of the gentlemen who helped start it, his name was Hal Donaldson. And I heard an interview with him 
about wh why and when he ended up getting involved in all this in the first place. Uh, it was actually after an, uh, he was interviewing and having a discussion with Mother Teresa, of all people. And Mother Teresa, who, of course, gave her life for the poor and the downcast, and, and, and she asked him just this question. She says, what are you doing to help the poor? And, and he said, he, you know, he wanted to come up with all these excuses, but he realized you don't lie to Mother Teresa. And he said, I'm not doing anything. And, uh, and, and, and so here's the thing. I, I could throw out a quote like that even and make you feel guilty to go out, run, and do everything. Again, that's the Lord's job. And she didn't say, well, you need to do more. She just said this. Well, just do the next kind thing the Lord sets in front of you. You don't got to solve the world's problems. They're not yours to solve. But the Lord will set things in front of you the next thing. So don't allow anger to gauge whether you're supposed to jump into something. Allow the Lord. And it's okay to be angry. There is, there is injustice in our world, and it is angering. It's, it's, it's maddening. It is wrong. So it's okay to be mad about that. But don't allow that to be your motivation to step into your destiny and what God's calling you to do because he will speak to you by the Holy Spirit of gentleness. He will speak to you by the Spirit of God. And he will set something in your path. Okay. I'm not, I got, we got good stuff here in the words in red, but we're out of time. Okay, Tyler, I'm going to have you come up, please. Oh, this page. This one would have set you really uncomfortable this week, so uh, maybe the Lord will uh, make us more uncomfortable next week. But if you'll stand with me, please. I want you to sit, on, sit in this for just a minute. Um, just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm not going to have you raise your hands or anything. I, I just really want this to be a, a holy moment where you take a deep breath and get some perspective maybe on something or behavioral issues in your own life that you keep just raging out of control. Or maybe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today about something you said in those moments that's akin to you fool, you empty-headed idiot. And it's time to make that right and apologize. So I just want to be here just for a couple of minutes. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart, and then I'll conclude. If you want to, if you want to kneel, if you want to bow, you want to come forward, feel free. We're just going to take this time.
this verse just uh, just came to me. Proverbs 16, 25 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. I challenge you to examine the ways of your heart because your common sense doesn't always lead to life. Your emotions don't always lead to life. But following Christ, leaning into him, forgiveness always leads to life. Did you know that? Asking for forgiveness always leads to life. I realize you can't force somebody to forgive you. But just saying, I'm sorry, will lead to life in you. You can't control anybody else. And I don't say I'm sorry to somebody to make them forgive me anyway. I say I'm sorry because that was what I needed to do. Now they get to decide if they're going to lean into that. And so, Father, may we be quick to listen to your Holy Spirit. May we be people who follow your word above all things. Jesus, you are our good shepherd. And you've laid before us life. I pray that we wouldn't follow the path that leads us to death. We wouldn't follow our, even our lazy traditions or our lazy way of doing things. But we would lean in and be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by washing through the word of God. Because we are the people that say, yes, Jesus, we believe. You are our God. So bless Bless, bless this crew here today, Father. Your children, your image bearers, your people. Fill them with your joy, with your Holy Spirit, and with purpose. Not that comes from a moment, but that comes from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you. Enjoy the rainy day. We love it. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.